go into the new sermon series with Pastor Brandon Hill entitled, What the Cross Did for Me. Pointing people to the finished work of the cross. And while he put that in my spirit, he reminded me of a message series that I wrote long, long, like a couple years ago entitled, What the Cross Did for Me. And I feel like during this moment and during this time, I feel like this is so befitting to point people in the direction of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And despite all that is going on, ladies and gentlemen, with the coronavirus and people with laid off of their jobs, there's fear that is plaguing the land. And one thing that I thank God for tonight is that Jesus paid it all on the cross, that your fear and your anxiety was pinned to the cross tonight. And as we point you to the cross, that we will not allow no virus or allow anything to take us away because we are in the Lenten season. We are on our way to Golgotha's Hill where Jesus settled the deal for humanity, ladies and gentlemen. And that means a whole lot in your life and in our lives. So we're starting a new series tonight entitled, What the Cross did for me, what the cross did for me. And what we're going to do is discover how Jesus's work on the cross had an impact on humanity and especially a personal impact on the life of a believer. Now, I'm not saying that everybody is saved. No, I'm not saying that at all. But what Jesus has done, ladies and gentlemen, has made salvation available to all mankind who would believe on his name. All right. John 3:16 says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever will believe on him shall not perish but they shall have everlasting life. And that is the goal ladies and gentlemen that God he sent his son so that man could have salvation and in and life eternal that is spent with him. And I don't know about you, but we we may come from different walks of life. But what brings us together, ladies and gentlemen, is what Jesus did on the cross. While we are believers from every walk of life, ladies and gentlemen, in every race and, and every tribe, God brings us together through the blood of Jesus the Christ. And I want this series, ladies and gentlemen, to be one that is reflective and draw us near, oh God, to his, his, his feet and strengthen our conviction of our faith. Because let me tell you something, what we need more now more than ever is a strong conviction of our faith. Because when things like this arise, when stuff like this arise and it seems like death is plaguing our land and all of this depression and anxiety is being built up, we need something and we need someone to look to. And that's why God saying, let's go to the cross where I gave my son as a sacrifice. And in this sacrifice that was done over 2000 years ago, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you and show you that with this sacrifice, that your anxiety was carried and it was put upon him. That it was put upon him. And my prayer, ladies and gentlemen, tonight is that you would understand as you hear the conviction in my voice that you will understand that what happened over 2000 years ago was not a folk tale. It was not a folk tale. It was not a made up story. That's why sometimes the scripture says that the, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing because they don't understand how a loving God would swalk on the face of the earth and sin it and, and die. It doesn't make sense to them. 
But for those who have received this gospel, who receive this truth, will walk in it with such a peace and walk in, with it, walk in it with such an understanding because you know where you were when Christ found you. And you should you and I should be thankful for the blood that was applied on Golgotha's hill where Jesus was crucified. I want to take you to John chapter 19. John chapter 19 is where we're going to put our attention at this evening. John chapter 19 verses 28 through 30. I will not be long with you. And it says it this way. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Verse 29 says, now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, and this is where I want to key our attention on for tonight's message. It is finished. I want you to comment in the section and say it is finished. It is finished. Done. It's it's a done deal. All right. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. I want to talk to you for a brief message as we start this series called uh, What the Cross Did for Me entitled It is Finished Tonight. It is finish. I want to address this in three parts. What does this mean that it is finished? What does it mean when Jesus, as he was, as he was giving up and about to on the cross, he, he, he said, I thirst. And that thirst that was there was able to quench. And he, 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 he built up enough strength to, to mouth this voice, this, this, this declaration of victory. It was not a declaration of defeat. It was a declaration of victory, ladies and gentlemen. When Jesus echoed the words, uh, it is finished, he gave, it was a sign to all of heaven and all of the host of angels. And it was a sign to the devil and all of his imps to let him know that he had completed the work of which his father had sent him to do on the earth. Yes, Lord, that he completed the work, that he finished it and he gets up there and say it is finished. But however, what does that mean? What is it that he finished, ladies and gentlemen? You have to understand this in the section where I call like to call before the cross. See, before Jesus came to the earth, ladies and gentlemen, people were required to work hard for every blessing from God. God's ability to show favor to them depended on what they did first. And strict obedience to the law of Moses was required in order to escape punishment. Ladies and gentlemen, before Jesus came before the cross, ladies and gentlemen, humanity was in a fallen state. Romans chapter five, verse 12 would say that therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sin. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, what the, what Paul is saying here is that death entered the world and sin entered the world through one man's fall named Adam and through the fall of Adam, all fell, all fell. It's like, oh, that doesn't seem fair, but it was Adam. He ruined a good thing. All had fallen short when people say, oh, I knew God all along. No, you didn't. All of us <laughs> were enemies of God. You were born into iniquity. Let me tell you something. I know you feel good about yourself. 
that you try to be a good person. But let me tell you something. You cannot be a good person absent from God, because what does it mean to say that you're a good person outside of the ramifications or outside of the parameters of which God has said? Because then to say that you are a good person or to determine who's good or bad is determined by one's own moral construct. But it cannot be determined by that because, it, oh my God, because God determines who is good and who is not. Because real reality is a person who you may not think is good, but who gave his life to Christ, God considers them good. Oh man, God considers them good. You and I are considered good. The reason why we're considered good is not because of our own righteousness, but the Bible says, that when Jesus died, his righteousness was then imputed upon us. So it was nothing good that you and I had done, but it was the goodness of God that imputed his righteousness to us. If you believe that, say, I hear you, Pastor V. I hear you, Pastor V. He says, for until, verse 13, it says, or until the law, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. So God put the law in place to show us, to show man's frailties, to show us that no matter what we did, we could not live up to the standard and the holiness of God. That we couldn't live up to that. That was a high standard. It wasn't that the law itself was bad. It was weak in the fact that man could not live up to it. And God never intended to put that in place for a long time. God put it in place until he brought his son so that you could see that through his son, you can accomplish the will of God over your life. Oh, my God. I saw my If you believe that, say amen on the comment. Hallelujah. He said, verse 14, it says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So we understand that before Jesus came, sin was in the world. Sin had entered the world through Adam. Before Jesus came, we understand, ladies and gentlemen, that we were living under a law. Then also, not only that, ladies and gentlemen, but we then do understand now that also that during this time that we did not have free access with God. That access had been limited. That God would only speak through a selected group of individuals. That here we have it, ladies and gentlemen, that once a year it was set up in the old, it was set up in the Old Testament that once a year that the chief high priest would, would the chief high priest would make, ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, that it, the, the chief high priest would make atonement for the people's sin once a year. And you had to hope that this man, who was just as frail as you was good, that God would receive their sacrifice. Are you hearing me tonight? That God will receive that sacrifice. You could not just go up to God like we go up to him now. Are you hearing me? We didn't have that type of relationship because the relationship, had, there, 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 there was a breach in the relationship. There was a breach. But oh, I'm so glad tonight that Jesus came to mend the breach between us and God. And the breach between us and God was not of God's doing but it was of our doing. Listen to me, let me tell you something. The reason why sometimes we get anxious and we get out of there because you have a breach in trust with God. 
that even in the midst of a pandemic, ladies and gentlemen, don't allow a pandemic to bring a breach in your relationship with God. Don't not allow a pandemic to bring a breach to make you think that your God cannot bring you and sustain you and preserve you while you and I are going through this together. Amen. Come on, say somebody in the comments said, don't let it stop. Don't don't let a breach come into your relationship. Don't let something come up. Don't allow the temptation of sin to drift you away from God because you're nervous of what's going to go, go on. You need to have your faith in this time locked in on God. Touch somebody. Oh, my God. Hit up somebody. Say, I'm locked in. I'm locked in. I am locked in here. Here we have it. It says it says in Romans five, verse 19 and 20, it says, for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous so we were all made sinners because of one man's disobedience we had one person atoning for us we could not freely have access with God we could not freely worship as we do now that's where we were at before before Christ came we had to the sacrifices of bulls and goats and calves. Let me tell you something. I'm thanking God that gee, he sent his son because I could not live in a time where I got to find a goat, having to kill it and be like, here you go, God. Here you go. I couldn't live like that. Let me tell you something. If Jesus had not came, that's how we would be living. We would have to live like that. <laughs> Getting goats, having to slay them once a year, having to bring atonement for your sin. Oh, my God. Finding animals, it would be a whole bloody mess around here. If we still had to live like that, if we still had to do that. And so that's why Jesus had to come. That's why Jesus had to come. And that's why God in his plan was sending his son because there, there was, a, there, there was the enemy had his control. The enemy had his control, ladies and gentlemen, the enemy was trying to, well, the enemy was having reign over death. And so that's why Jesus had to come. And so when we get to the point now in John chapter 19, ladies and gentlemen, when we get at the point in verse 28 through verse 30, what Jesus was coming to do was to was to mend a breach. What Jesus was on the cross to do, ladies and gentlemen, which doesn't make sense to people. How would a God just hang on the cross like that? Well, this is why the Bible says no greater love than this, than a man to lay down his life for a friend. How is it that when the Bible says that we were enemies of God, Jesus saw us as friends and he laid down his life for you and I. Are you hearing me? That Jesus saw us as friends. Hallelujah. And, 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 and at this moment, what Jesus was saying it was finished to is, can I give you, that Jesus was making atonement for our sin. That he was saying it is finished. That means I have finished the work of atonement. What does that mean? That every sin, that Jesus atoned for every sin through his body. The lashes that he took. <laughs> that he, he, he replaced the abuse that you and I should have had took it upon himself and he became the sacrifice for you. Who do you know that you are in the wrong? You and I are guilty. We are prone to wonder. 
Our heart is wicked and no man would know it. And Jesus says, I'm going to become, I'm going to, he who knew no sin became sin. He who walked in perfection became imperfect so you don't have to be imperfect. So that you can come into a place of perfection. Oh my God. And that's what Christ did for you and I. So in that moment when he's saying it is finished, he's saying, God, Father, I have finished the atonement. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, it says, for this reason, he had to be made like them. Let me stop there. Fully human in every way. Can I stop here in this part of the verse? He says, for this reason, the Hebrew writer says, for this reason, he had to be made like them. What is he talking about? That he that that God that God did not shortcut his process. He did not shortcut his order. That he came in the likeness of a man in order so that he could die. Oh, my God. That he came exactly, the, he came in the way that he had ordained for men to come. He came through a womb of a woman. Hallelujah. Used the womb of the woman. The woman carried the word in a womb for nine months. After that nine-month period was over, Jesus then came. The word came. Hallelujah. It became flesh, as John told us, and it dwelt among us. Hallelujah. I'm getting excited about this. I don't care if nobody's here. I've been preaching by myself for a long Long time. The reality is, ladies and gentlemen, the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. The word became flesh. He did not cheat the system that what Jesus did is he said, listen, I'm going to become like them so that they know how that you can become like me, even though I'm fully God. He did not shortcut the system that he became a human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God. Here is the key that he make that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. The way that the Old Testament people would make atonement is through the blood of lambs, goats, heifers. Jesus said, I will be the sacrifice. I will put my body up on the cross to make atonement for your sin. When he said that is finished, he said, I finished the work for the atonement of their sin. Not only when Jesus said it is finished, he said he finished and fulfilled when he told, when he uckled those words of victory and declaration, he said that I fulfilled the scriptures. In Acts chapter two, verse 23, when the apostle Peter was preaching and proclaiming the word on the, on the day of Pentecost, he said, but God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was portrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. See, God already had it prearranged. He planned this from before the, before the foundation of the earth. He had it planned. Let me tell you something. Can I stop right here? That there is nothing that arises that catches God by surprise. Let me tell you something, even in a pandemic, this doesn't catch God by surprise. You think God is surprised by this? You think God is surprised by the things that are going on in your life? God is an all-knowing God. He knows all. Well, if he knows all, why don't he do something about it? Because he's going to teach you in the midst of it. Let me tell you something. A lot of times we like to avoid problems. I know I do. 
I would like to avoid problems. I would like to avoid uh, 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 adversity. But let me tell you something. In your adversity, you get to know who God is and that even in the midst of all of it, that God has a plan like he knows what's going to happen. He has a plan to get you around it. He got a plan to get you through it. Hallelujah. Call me and say, God got a plan to get me through it. God got a plan to get me through it. He had already had fulfilled the scriptures. He prophesied it. There was prophesied in Isaiah 53 that he would, he would be a suffering servant. He said in Psalm 22, David said that they would pierce his hands and feet. In Psalm 34, that no broken bones of him, that Jesus' bones wasn't broken, even though he, even though he was beaten up beyond the point of recognition. The Bible says in Psalm 69 that he would be given gall and vinegar. You just saw that in John chapter 19 and verse 28. And then verse 50 in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 50 that he would be beaten and spat upon. That he would be beaten and spat upon. And Jesus did it all according to the scriptures. That he did not cheat the system. That he did, he did it all according to the scriptures, ladies and gentlemen. That he did it all according to the plan. That even though the plan came with adversity, that even though the plan came with some uh, uh, knowing that he would experience and be afflicted with pain and suffering, but he stuck to it. Oh, man. Can I encourage somebody? Can I encourage you out there that even though you may feel like this pandemic and things being shut down and it's affecting you, that let me tell you, just stick to the plan that God has for your life. This is not the time to get off. It is the, pl it is the time to pursue and pursue hard after God. It is not the time to go away but it's the time to press forward in the name of Jesus if you believe that type amen right there and so the reality is that Jesus stuck to the plan he did it according to what his father said it was and fulfilled the pro oh my God the prophecies of the prophets that have prophesied in the Old Testament and I thank God for that because every word that was spoken from the mouths of the prophets he did not let it go to waste but he filled it fulfilled it through his son Jesus Hallelujah. When Jesus said it was finished, ladies and gentlemen, what he was saying when he made that declaration is he was saying, ladies and gentlemen, that enmity was abolished. Now, let me explain to you what that was. What he's saying is that Jesus made peace for us. And enmity, ladies and gentlemen, uh, 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 is, is something where it says that there's some hostility there. There was some hostility in our relationship but with God and us. The reason why is because of sin. God hates sin. I know you say that God loves everybody. God does love people. He hates the sin of humanity. See, that's the thing that you don't understand. God hates sin. God judges sin. Hallelujah. Don't judge me. No, God is judging the sin of a person. He's judging the sin of a person. The reality is, is that we have fallen short and fell short to that standard. Ladies and gentlemen, what Jesus did, he was, he was being the peacemaker between us and God. That he was making peace on my behalf when he said, hey, he said, I'm done now. I became the peace offering. I, I paid that for you so that you could have peace with God. Hallelujah. And that peace, oh God, come on in here. That, oh my God, that surpasses all understanding will help to guard your heart and mind. Are you hearing me? That's what I'm trying to tell you this evening is that he became a peacemaker so that you could have peace. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. I'm going to give you a Bible. It says, for he himself is our peace. Say, God is my peace. God is my peace. I want you to comment that. Say, God is my peace. Peace is my portion today. God is my peace. And it's, it continues to say, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Verse 15 says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. That is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Verse 16 says, and he and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death enmity. So God put the so Jesus put the death hostility. By making peace, by him becoming the mediator, reconciling us back to God. Are you hearing me? How he reconciled us back to God. He had to bridge, he had to bring a reconciliation. Are you hearing me? Reconciliation, reconciling us back to God, reconciling us back to the place of where, uh, uh, where we once were, because, oh my God, who once, once, where we once were before the fall of Adam. Are you hearing me? So he put the death that. Let me tell you something. You think that God hates you. God does not hate you. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you feel like God hates you, that God hates us. This is why I just know God does not hate anyone. Hallelujah. God does not hate you. That's why you don't need to be in that condemnation. That's a lie from the enemy to think that God hates you. No, his son was there as a peace offering. His son was there as a peace offering that if you come under the, oh my God, if you come under the blood of his son, you are now have peace with God. Hallelujah. You are allowing the enemy to disturb your peace. You are allowing the enemy to, 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 to make you think that, that you cannot have peace with God tonight. But I tell you for that person that's wrestling in your spirit, I tell you, you can have peace tonight through Jesus the Christ. If you believe it, say amen there. The Old Testament, when Jesus said it is finished, ladies and gentlemen, when he echoed his words of victory and declaration, hallelujah, it is pretty much saying that he put away the old. He put, the, he put away the Old Testament law. In other words, I like it better that he accomplished or he fulfilled Old Testament law. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, it says, And you, being dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken out the way, having nailed it to the cross. Here's what he nailed to the cross. He, he nailed to the cross the, uh, 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 a standard that you and I could not live up to. And Jesus said, I became, I did it so that you can now just live, oh my God, in peace and live under the holy standard through me. Are you hearing me tonight? That in other words, that I, I nailed that to the cross. That way of living, not that it was wrong, but listen, couldn't you and I could not live up to that? But now you can live in a way of holiness to God through me because I became that. I took that on for you. Now, here's the blessed hope. 
You ready for the blessed hope? Here's the blessed hope. What did the cross do for me? When Jesus said it is finished, can I give it, can I give it to you? What does this mean to me? The word finished, ladies and gentlemen, is a Greek word. It means tastelestai. And that means, ladies and gentlemen, paid in full. And so when he did all of this and made the victory that he, that he accomplished the Old Testament law, he made peace for us. He fulfilled the scripture. Now, what does that mean for us, ladies and gentlemen, and what that means for us today? That we have open access to the Father, ladies and gentlemen that in times of crises, that in times of all of uncertainty, that we can go to the Father openly. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Not only do we have that, ladies and gentlemen, but we have this also, God, that because of the cross and because he said it's finished, that we have everything, peace, joy, healing, all of that was finished on the cross, that all you and I have to do is walk in that finished work. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 4, it says, as divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That here's the blessing about what the cross did for us, ladies and gentlemen, that we have everything as it pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by the glory and by his virtue. Are you hearing me? Because we are now partakers of Christ, because we believed on him and confessed him as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that means we no longer lack for anything, that we are complete in him, that we are full in him, ladies and gentlemen. You lack nothing, say I will lack nothing. Jesus completed that for me. He's paid it in full in Jesus' mighty name. He paid it in full. He paid it in full. I tell you, he paid it in full. Hallelujah, come and say paid in full. He paid whatever you know that he paid for. Every sin, present, past, present, and future, he paid it in full. Everything that he knew that our, our, uh, we would get into, he, he paid it in full. He paid it in full for you and I. That's the blessing that we have tonight. That's the hope that we have tonight. That's why I'm pointing you to the cross tonight. That at Gagalfa's hit, he paid it in full. Coronavirus paid in full. Healing was made. He said, by your stripes, I, you are been made whole. You know what I mean? By your stripes, we are healed. Ladies and gentlemen, when Isaiah prophesied that about Jesus, it said every whip he took, every beating he took, by his stripes, you are healed. Mentally, physically, you are healed. Walk in it. Finish work, paid in full. I'm, why would I want to pay for something that was already paid for me? Hallelujah. If I already got something, I don't got to pay for it. I don't got to do something out of my own doing. That's why the message of the cross is foolish to some, because you still think that you have to do something. You feel like it's a deed that you have to do. And all Jesus is saying, believe in me. Hallelujah. Believe in me. Oh, my God, trust in me today. Have me as your Lord and Savior. I did it for you. So you don't have to do it. All you got to do is now live in the finished work. What the cross did for me, it made me complete. Hallelujah. Because he finished it. Hallelujah. What the cross did for me, because he finished it, it gave me access back with the Father tonight. If you receive that word, I'll give you this. Galatians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, it says, For I, through the law, died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer who I who live, but Christ lives in me. 
and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen, the life I now live, while I'm still in the flesh, I live it under Christ now. I live it under him for what he has done. If you receive that, I want to see you say paid in full. Paid in full. Well, if you're not saved tonight, I want to offer you this Jesus who paid all your sins in full. I want to give you, I listen, I don't care what you have done. I don't care how bad you think you are. There's nothing that you can do that Jesus hasn't paid it <laughs> on the cross. That's why I thank God what the cross did for me. Let me tell you something. I'll get into it this week is that it gives you a second chance on life, a new life, not the one that you've been experiencing. Listen, for those of you who you're saying you're restless, you need hope and all of that, let me tell you, it's only found in Jesus Christ. There is no help book I can give you outside of the word of God that will let you know that if you accept his son today, not only that, not that, not that you are exempt from trouble, but here's the thing about trouble. You don't face it alone because Jesus is with you and you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something, if you are living in fear because you don't know if you'll live, if you catch this, this corona, what will happen to you? Let me tell you something, if you don't know where you'll happen to you, I'm telling you, you're lost. Heaven and hell is real, ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not. I know you probably don't want to believe it, but I want you to know heaven and hell is real. Heaven is a real place for prepared people who have given the Lord Jesus Christ their life. Those who have not given the Lord Jesus Christ their life, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something now. You, hell is a real place that you, are, that you will be going to. Hell was not meant for people to be there. Hell was meant for, 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 for the devil and, and the fallen angels. However, people end up going to hell not because of the, they go to hell because they didn't believe in Jesus the Christ. So I want you to say this, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Make me whole. I confess that I am a sinner and I acknowledge what you did for me on the cross. Lord, please, in the name of Jesus, take me in as your son. Take me in as your daughter right now. In the name of Jesus, I acknowledge my sin. I want to make you the Lord of my life in Jesus name. Amen. If you said that prayer, I believe that you are saved today. I want you to give God your life. Get in a good Bible-based church online. <laughs> oh, man. And I'm telling you, and make him the Lord over your life. I promise if you commit yourself to the Lord, your life will never be the same.